Let's go to Perik Yudalid. Pasigetes. So they answered the riddle illegally. And this is uh, Shimshin's opportunity to take Nakama in a general sense. And he's again using this as a fight to pick, so to speak. They happen to be, of course, wrong on the issue because if you have a fair wager, you have to get the answer in a proper way without threatening and torturing people. Different city, and that was the purpose. You would say, why not punish the people, at least locally, or the people that stole it? This is the Zikne Ha'ir. And that's not the point. The point is that all the Plishtim are in cahoots to terrorize anybody in the country. They don't make any chilukim, which city they're attacking and whom they're attacking, as long as they're Yidin, and he's not going to make any chiluk either. Which weren't the original 30 quote unquote friends that he had that he challenged. It was the people of the city, they did that because they wanted to remain at arm's length to pretend that they figured it out independently. And he was genuinely angry and he was also feigning the anger to escalate the battle. Part of it was real though because the plan wasn't scripted exactly but as we mentioned last week it was more than a little bit annoying that his wife is the one who betrayed him. It sounds like that wasn't part of the plan. Unless he wanted Taina that it was all feigned and it was all to show an anger with the excuse to start up with them. And there's a lot of that going on over here because this one Misa is going to give him three opportunities as we will see today, Mitzvah Well, Beisavi, when he goes back home to his parents, this representative within this group of these uh, 30 uh, Bacharim that uh, joined him. So he betrayed him as well. And the quote-unquote Shver gave away his wife to this fellow, one of these guys. Even by the Goyim in Zion Mitzvah, this is Eish in a capital crime. He didn't give her a get. He went back home right now. She's probably screaming that he left me here and I want out. I don't know if she had a say in this or not. Lamaisa, she's an Eishazish, and she's a Gieris, so she's an Eishazish of a Yid. And they just arbitrarily, from one minute to the next, gave her away to somebody else, which is not good for their Ruchnius. It's going to give them an opportunity to take more revenge, as we will see right now. But it wasn't a good idea, and in terms of a plan, well, you know, there's a sugulif naiver. I don't know if you ever heard of it. <laughs> but the shver who's doing this is being marshal the daughter, who might here to be down the katzchus on her. She wasn't a good lady. We just saw that. But 
in those days, if you told the young lady you're going to marry so-and-so, then maybe she didn't have what to say. So then it's at least Lifneiver, and he's being marshal, the new son-in-law. Kedushin aren't really typhus. So he's not really a new son-in-law, but the whole thing is one huge Avera. And an Avla. And Shimshin is going to find out about it. He's going to wait a while till he has the need to start a new tumult. Shimshin can't fight a battle every single day. He's only one person. And you can imagine after each one of these small, seemingly erratic forms of revenge, the Plishtim collectively decide, you know what, maybe we should tone down the attacks and the damage that we're doing to the various cities within Klai Yisrael, because you never know what Shimshin is going to do, even though they keep saying that it's a personal battle, and he is a Yid, he's a traitor. Lamaisa, they toned it down. But that wears off, as the memory always wears off. And a year later, Shimshin felt the need to remind them that he's still here. Pasigalaf, Vahi Miyamim, Bimek Tsirchitim. For the city dwellers here, the Yemek Tsirchitim is a very important time of year for the food cycle because Baruch Hashem, after toil and tears and a whole winter, and the spring came, it started growing, and now it's around Shavuos time, and you're going to cut it, and that's the source of supply of food. That's obvious. I mention it because Shimshin waits to this opportunity to destroy part of their food supply because that's what they do all year round to the Eden. They either steal it or stam do damage. And it's going to again get their attention in a very big way. So he comes back. First he's going to visit his wife. He's still married. He brings a gift. Very unusual scene. He comes back to the house. The address he has. He comes back to the house and the shver is there. Okay, could be he's just visiting for coffee right now. But he's not just visiting. He hears Shimshin is coming into town. And he stands in the doorway and Shimshin says, I want to go into my house. And the shver is not letting him in. I'm going to first point out, lest we picture Shimshin as a very big, strong man, which he might have been anyway, but the strength came from the Dvar Hashem. That's clear. And he didn't always have it, and even if he could bring it, he didn't always use it. So here's the Shver. I don't know how tall and big and strong he is. He's standing in front of him, and Shimshin said, I want to go in. This is my wife, my house. And he said, no, you can't go in. So he's standing in front of Shimshin. What's that going to do? The answer is, we picture Shimshin should just like, look at him and blow him over. But it doesn't happen doesn't let him in, and Shimshin doesn't go in. Either because it's not really the point, some of Shimshin say he's not really trying to make peace over here because he has serious tainas, he's not really interested in going back to the marriage, he's just here to pick a new fight because that's the whole reason he married her in the first place. But it looks like, and he has to play that part, that he's going back and he brings a gift to make up. Maybe on some level he's willing to do that. She's still a Gairis and is his wife. So both could be true, but he's not going to force the issue. If he wanted to force it, he could probably start an altercation right here and push him aside. He wants to show 
or confirm what he had heard that she had been given to someone else and the reason why the Shveret doesn't want him to go in is because there's somebody else there which is going to become pretty toxic if Shimshin goes in so the Shver stands there and says you don't want to go in there and he sort of tells him I didn't mention this but I married her to somebody else and you didn't seem to really want to come back anyway you hated her and therefore what's the problem it's said with a Gaisha cup what's the problem even the Gayim know there's something called divorce and uh, they know Jews have a process whether they know it's getting or not I'm not trying to defend him. So the is going to say, yeah, there's machlekes in the Yishalmi, which there is, whether Gaim can get a divorce. One sheet holds no. Once you're married, you're married. Oddly enough, some religions took that on, oddly enough. Of, of all the sheetas, what? I didn't tell you he was a Lamdan. I'm just telling you what he uh, was trying to forend for. So he says, one sheet of the Yishalmi can't get a divorce. And another sheet of the divorce is when he or she initiates by walking out. Either way. So, you walked out, I had her go somewhere else. You both left each other, and I married her to somebody else. What's the problem? The answer is, I don't know why he decided we pass like the second sheet of the Shalmi. It happens to be we do, but she's Jewish, and she's a Gyeri, she's an Esashis, and he had no right to do it besides the fact it's a betrayal. Shemshin walked out because she betrayed him, and it, even Lee Yitzhak, the Shalom bias issue that he's trying to solve and brings back a gift. He didn't even take that route over here. So that's Shemshin's decision, not the Shreer's decision. And it was the wrong thing to do. It's under I gave her away because I didn't think you were coming back, and I held like the second shot in the Yishami. I'm saying that facetiously, obviously. So now the guy is hallucinating. He thinks he's like Lovan or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds familiar. Such a, he says, don't worry about it. No harm done. I, she has a younger sister. She's even better. Which just begs the question, which Shimshin doesn't bother asking because the whole thing's an avala. So she was better the first time, so why'd you read the older one? So then he probably would answer if he would ask that. Well, yes, his husband come in and we got to marry the older. But it didn't go that far because the script sounds familiar. And uh, he's just coming up with an excuse. It's hard to know, did the uh, Shver, former Shver, really think that this is the Havmi and the Shimsh is going to marry her? If it was halachically mutter, and this is not achas ishto, it's still ishto, but she's not a gearist, so it's not really achas ishto, but the same reason the Shver thought that he was really interested in marrying plishti women for the sake of marrying plishti women, so he had Shimshin sized up completely incorrectly, and if he's onto his plan, you start want to mix in for whatever agenda you have. So maybe in his mind there's a havamina. Shimshin has no havamina because he's really upset at his family anyway, and he has enough now for an excuse to do more damage. He says, Whatever I do now, I'm putter. That's a warning, a veiled threat, not so veiled. It's a threat that beware, I'm going to do more damage. And he has no intention of telling them what that is because part of the damage is that they should be nervous all the time because you never know where he's going to show up or where his shlichim might show up. Shlichim here are very interesting, cute little furry creatures, foxes. Uh, the most unusual pick for an animal, that's why he does it. It's hard to catch one fox, he catches 300 in a very short time. <laughs> 
like in the next Pasuk, in one Sunday morning. And uh, he's going to use them to do a lot of damage in a very short amount of time. He already killed 30 plishtim. That was to scare them and to take Nakama and to get 30 suits. So Gedalia was asking yesterday, how did he get clean suits? Why didn't they have blood on them? He had a way of killing them without doing that much damage. Or he brought it to the cleaners on the way, that cleaners in Gaza City, on the main street there. And the Gemara has a debate. And we mentioned last week, is a Nazir allowed to be a Tommy to a mace? Maybe he almost killed them. They were guys. The Maskana is, it's Mutter, and that's the Chiddush of Naziris Shimshin. A regular Nazir cannot. A Nazir Shimshin can. That's why it's a unique category. It was only for Shimshin. Lamaisa. We have here, I don't know anybody else who copied Harani Nazir Shemshin. Maybe there were people who did. But this is unique for his job, and he had to be able to kill people without the lumdus of making them into a geysis and then taking their clothing and the like. Now he's going to do damage that's going to hit them economically and in their stomach, food. Ve'yelach Shemshin, Pasuk Dalad. Ve'yelach Shemshin, Yokud Shleishmeyaz Shualim. Foxes are supposed to be shrewd, and whenever they feel threatened, they can walk backwards very quickly. That's a maneuver that helps that there are many tanks that have difficult, a difficult time doing. And they, when they move backwards, it's not straight. It's like in a zigzag. So it's very hard. Part of the tremendous kayak that he had was not just raw strength, boot strength. It was the dexterity, if you'll call it, and the ability to get things done. And he catches 300 shulim and has them stand still long enough to tie their tails together in a slipknot to get a torch in between the tails and then lights the torch. And when it gets hot, foxes will feel threatened and they'll start going backwards very quickly. Just the sight of this is enough to scare any Plishti, who's anywhere near the fields and they're all in the fields because it's Yemei Ketzir Chitim. And the quickest way to burn down many acres is to have 300 fox, foxes run quickly with torches that are lit very well running backwards down each row. So within a short amount of time the whole thing's going to be gone. So you'll say it's Baal Tashchis. When you bomb cities in war and burn them down, it's baltashchis, but it's not baltashchis as an usher if you're trying to get rid of the enemy. And unfortunately, this is the only language the Plushtim understand. So we uh, hope we never have to witness this, and um, this century, that century has seen a lot, as did all the previous centuries. Just keep getting better at it, and it's happening now in many parts of the world, unfortunately. It's uh, very damaging. Here, he was just looking to destroy the food supply because if you kill individuals as many as you get rid of the other ones who are alive aren't that phased when you hit the food supply everybody is perturbed Amitavech is a broker it means in the middle he tied them together put the torch in and now they're running in tandem backwards. Fayavra Eish Balapidim Vishalach Bakamas Paplishtim, and this is Yemek Sirchitim, so the Kama is the standing grain. It's at its peak right before they cut it. And they cut some of it already, as you'll see. 
In the next part of the Pasig, Vayaver Migadish Varkama Vad Karam Zayas. And he ends up destroying the Gadish. The Gadish is the stacks of the grain, the Cree, and the leftover hay. All this is valuable. Uh, Kama is still the standing grain, and the Karamzayas, and you have vineyards, and you have uh, some Taichit, two separate things, vineyards and for olives, and some say Karamzayas, just the olives, but very valuable crops, and it's all gone. Pasig Vav, Plishtim, they wake up in the morning, and they're surveying the damage, and they want to know who's the culprit. Shemshin is becoming well-known, but he's not that well-known. Otherwise, we're reading the Psukim very slowly and wondering, what kind of silly question is that? Who else is capable and brave enough to do something like this? But they didn't know that yet, and the insurance companies certainly want to know if they had insurance, which no doubt they didn't. The question was, who and why? Like, it looks bizarre. And somebody smart enough to catch the foxes? And What's behind all this? Shimshin, see, one of the culprits is the Shimshin, and as I mentioned last week as well, they sort of understand what's going on and why he had some right to do this because his shver double-crossed him and his wife did, and he's taking revenge. Shimshin Hassan Hatimni, the ladies in Timna, the shver doesn't deserve a name over here, Hassan Hatimni. So that's interesting that the Pasik puts in a quote from their conversation. It says, yeah, this is not something that we expected to end that well because sort of gave away his wife illegally. So their first reaction is burn down the house. Remember, they threatened this. Then it sounded like an idle threat. They go to the house and they burn them. They burn the house down on them and burn them. And pretty cruel people. Even if, not looking to Dan Den Chus, but as humans who knew current events, they understood that Shimshin in their mind is pretty out of control. But why'd they get on his nerves? And what are they doing giving away his wife? So they punish them first. Figuring that might appease him before he burns down the rest of the crops. And they figured that would be the end of the story. Pulsic Zion, they figured wrong, because Shimshin has to seldom pick fights, because he can't do this every day. It's dangerous, and he has better things to do, like to be the chef at Klai Yisrael, that probably lines around the block for Dine Teir and Shailus. And he doesn't enjoy doing this. He enjoys taking the kama, because the Plishim had a lot of blood on their hands by this time. That's why he was called upon to do this. And nobody here is innocent. Still, you gotta squeeze out whatever you can from each Misa with that excuse. So he got to make trouble in Ashkelon by killing the 30 and paying the debt of the uh, wager that he didn't owe, but he's going to pay. And then he burns down many fields because they took his wife and gave her away. And then they kill his wife and his shver. So they did that because they think they're appeasing him. Whether he was appeased or not, again, you have to read in the Pesukim and he comes back with this beautiful gift, this lamb, to make a nice barbecue, to make shalom. Was any of that real? Or was that just part of the story because he knew that they wouldn't let him in and he could pick another fight? 
or that's why he was annoyed because it's still his wife. He would have patched it together and waited around for the next family fight. It could be either one. It could be a blend thereof. But now they killed her in a pretty brutal way. He certainly has an excuse. He probably was not happy that it was done this way, and he has an excuse to do more damage. And here the Chaya Misa, in one part, um, she's Chaya Misa because she was Mazana. She's still married to him. It's not Srefa. She's not a Baskayan. And it done in a pretty brutal way. The Shver was Ever and he's a bad guy, and didn't kidnap her in regular kidnapping sense. He's not Chayiv, uh, that would be a Chayiv Neach. So he has a right to be angry that you people are cruel, and I didn't ask for this. I asked to be normal and want to give her back, if anything. So he's going to use this as an excuse, and they deserve it anyway. If you're capable of doing this, I'm now going to take one more level of nakama, and after that I'm going to stop for now. Why is he telling him that? Because it's a very delicate balance. It's impossible to strike an exact balance. He wants them to see how much damage he could do so they're good and scared in all the other cities, even though he's not there. But he doesn't want a full-blown war at this point because he's still only one person and he can't handle a full-blown war. And Kleisel doesn't have the schuss to fight one. That's why he's doing this alone. So he tells them his intention, I'm now going to do one more thing, and I'm not telling you what it is. They're going to find out very quickly. And after that, I'm finished for now. I'm going back to the basin, a backlog of Dine Terry. So... He does that, before Shem say, that they shouldn't think that they now have to go attack him or anybody else to try to put a stop to this. And that part is not going to work, as you'll see later on in the parak. What's his last point of revenge? Before that, look at Rashi and Zion, Tasun, Kezois, Shema, Regilin, Atem, Bekach, Loses, Easter, Shalzeh, Maybe this is common for you to give away people's wives. Is this standard fare? Probably was. That he's telling them this is not a normal society. The Goyim had rules. Interesting expression. Which direction it goes. The Yarech is the thigh and the Shok we'd call a calf on the foot. And it refers to the people that, that had assembled. Some of Farshim say that he was causing trouble. So when Shimshon came to town, they called the cavalry because they wanted to stop him. And now he has to fight them. And it's an excuse to get rid of them also. So Rashi says, quotes the Targum, Proshin im raglaim, reichiv sus enanishin al yerechai ki im al shaykai, which means the main power that's resting on, if you're sitting on a horse, if you're on your high horse, is not on your thigh, it's the calf because the foot is what goes in to the, uh, when you ride a horse, what's that thing, what? The stirrups? Yep. So they're sitting, so they're not, you wouldn't think they're, the leg had anything to do with anything, but apparently the leg and the stirrup is what is controlling and helping to steer. You have reins also. Regalecha, Nelson, Babarzel, for some reason, I think they have two of them today. And that's how they hold on. So it's referring to chariots, and people are driving the chariots, which was the tank of the time, and foot soldiers. And apparently they had assembled because they 
called them because Shimshin was in town. And Shimshin wanted to show them that uh, you can have the entire battalion over here, it's not going to do you any good. And he kills them all. And after that, he leaves, and instead of going home back to the basin where he really wanted to go, back to his parents' house and to continue serving as Diane, which is the part of his job that he actually enjoyed doing and was far safer. At this point, it's not safe. And he realized after three hits, the people in Ashkelon, the burning down of the fields, and now the killing of this whole unit from the army and the cavalry, they're not going to let this go. And he was right. And he goes to hide, and he goes to a mountain and finds a cave in the cleft of the uh, rock formation, and he makes that his temporary home. And he awaits. Doesn't know what's going to happen yet, but we're going we're gonna to see not long in coming. So, this is somewhere near the district of Yehuda, as the Plishtim were. Picture the south of Israel today. Southwest, you have the Gaza Strip where the Plishtim were. And next to that is Yehuda, Yehuda and Benyamin. That's where they are, that's where the Nachl is. And Yehuda, even though we haven't heard from them in a long time, Shevet Yehuda, historically, has a leadership position from the Midbar, really from Yehuda himself. They deposed him in Parshas Vayeshev because they had tainas after they sold Yosef and they saw the damage that you were there and you should have done something else. Mind you, Yehuda is the one who agreed not to kill him. Shimon Levi brought up to kill him and then the uh, Bastin had the issue with Bastin that he was a threat and Merba Malchus and then uh, Ruvain suggested it but Maisa Yehuda decided not to kill him which he's given credit for in Parshas Vayechi if you remember. Yaakovinu is Maram is the fact that well you didn't kill him at least you only sold him some Bisham learned he never really knew but maybe he had a chashash in the Midbar Nachshem Ben Imenadov Yehuda, the first battle at the uh, beginning of the conquest. And even though he didn't take the leadership position in terms of the Melech, he didn't have a Melech yet, and the Shaftan came for various Shvatim. First one was uh, from Yehuda. Lamaisa, they are in this area, and when the Plishtim want to send a message to the Jews, they march on Yehuda. So just understand the context, otherwise you'll say, well, what did Yehuda do? He's not from Yehuda, he's from Dan. But they're marching on Yehuda because Yehuda is supposed to be running the loosely associated, what the outside world looks at as loosely associated tribes. They're not, it's one Klai Yisrael, but this is the way they look at it, and they've got to have some leader, and the leader here is Shevet Yehuda. And he's living nearby. The city called Lachi, you never heard of it because it wasn't called Lachi yet. It's going to be called Lachi after this Misa. So whatever was called now, somebody was living there, apparently. And they came, picked this area, because the leaders apparently live nearby. And they look out the window, and there are a lot of Plishti troops in Lachi. Lachi is a drawbone. You'll understand soon why it was renamed Lachi. So they sent out the representatives and they asked, why are you here? And obviously they didn't look too friendly. 
Rashi says on Pasuk Tess, which means they didn't send a couple of policemen. They send a lot of soldiers and they spread out all over the area surrounding the place. Belachi Shem Makom. Shem Makom is now, the name wasn't Lachi yet. It will become Lachi very soon. This short Rashi shows you how bad things were. Yehuda, who is in a leadership position, had the strongest Shevet and were very capable fighters, basically came out with a white flag. Didn't even need a white flag. It was push it to them. Where are your avadim? What, what, what do you want? If you want something, send a message. What are you coming with the army for? What are you here for trouble? We didn't do anything. We're paying our taxes. We're very humble. That shows you what was life under the plishtim at the time. And it also shows you why Shimshon had to fight a one-man battle as an enemy of both Klaisal certain times and the plishtim all the time. It's hard to be pictured. It's hard to be a Dayan. He was coming back as the Dayan, flipping it out. So most of the time they knew who he was and they knew what he was capable of doing in terms of passing the Shilas and leading them. But not all the time. And here they're sort of scratching the head because they don't know what to do. And this is a real halachic issue over here. This is all you shall meet. These are Mishnayas, these are Rambams. And the Plishtim are going to answer the question. We're here because we want you to arrest Shimshon and hand him over and we'll deal with him. So we've had this sugi a few times. What do you do over here? Rahman Lutzlan in a situation like this. So normally the din is if they don't Dafka ask for anybody, plenty of money. They say, give us somebody, we don't care who, and nobody did anything wrong, even though they're all gonna get killed, Rahman Lutzlan, you can't hand over anyone. That everybody agrees to. The Machlaikis, Abiyachamish and the Yushalmi is if they're meyachet somebody, even if he did nothing wrong, but now they're meyachet him, so he becomes possibly the reidif for everybody else, even though he's a nice guy and he's not trying to be a reidif. But now, because of him, and we know who he is, they're in danger. So then, as why the Ramam would hold, hand them over to Lachavain Marinkain. There's a whole mavucha of what the sheetas are and what the girsas are with Abiyachem all of this doesn't make a difference if he did something wrong. Now the Taz, if you remember, has... You could see what's going on in the Middle Ages. It's very difficult to make a panasa. This doesn't make it right, the example we're going to give. But the Weyidin who try to make a panasa as being merchants, which was dangerous at all times. You had to travel. That was dangerous even if you didn't get attacked by highwaymen and you just try to mind your own business. You went with a caravan, but you were Jewish. That was already a liability and uh, travel was dangerous. The traveling, if, if nobody attacked you, was wear and tear in the body. I don't know if you ever went on a carriage without any springs and no cushions or seats. I didn't, because I probably wouldn't be sitting here if I did, and do that for hours and days on end. It's painful, there's no way to describe it. Painful every step of the way. You were aching from head to toe. It's, we don't have, you couldn't get into a matzav like that. Uh, right here on Maple, they have that farm seems to be extending itself all the time. I don't know what's going on there, but every time I drive by, it's another five blocks. But I think they have hay rides now. But you're sitting on hay, so at least you're bouncing around, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, they have air tires, right? <laughs> and springs, probably. Uh, you, you read the accounts of, from, from people of what it was to travel it, every step and had no roads. So you're bumping around. It was painful. So you had a matzav where people were uh, traveling and travel itself was dangerous and everything was dangerous and 
you to exist, you had to travel, and there's there's nothing you could do. There's a um, there are more than one truth, unfortunately, that talk about businesses where the boss sent the shaliach. Boss didn't go on all these trips if they can afford it. So you got big enough, you had workers and shlichim. And they sent people, and they always had the Yerid. Every Chalavah Chayla is the Yerid. Twice a year. And uh, he used to go and buy all the wholesale stuff and then sell to retail and hope for the best that you got to where you were going with your cash, which was a big if, and then get back with the merchandise. And then you could move after you were so Charlie Horse you didn't know what hit you. But you tried your best to go back and forth. The Pella is that as people were uh, going and they went in caravans to ensure safety but ensure is a funny word because the bandits figured out after a while you know business is slow nobody's traveling alone anymore because we caused so much trouble and the bigger the caravan the more protection they had to hire guards with the caravan it was true like this in America they're just dealing with Indians but same idea and the bandits decided to band together and had bigger it got so big that like many armies and then the, the king sometimes had to get involved to send the real army to get rid of them this is welcome to Europe in the forest and they had tshuvas uh, written where they would surround them and they'd be outnumbered and outgunned and even though they're here to steal their cash or their merchandise but while they're at it they would do other damage and kill people and stop anti-Semitic and, 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 and try to attack the women it was, it was bad this was an average day in the office as you were just trying to make some money so what's the din so if he did nothing wrong you can't hand him over even though everybody's going to get killed getting back to the Taz so there were some Yidin who again I'm not condoning this but uh, making money was very difficult and they weren't allowed into any guilds and they weren't allowed to own land they had very few prospects some of them went into a very time honored uh, very lucrative business if you weren't caught anybody know what I'm referring to? It's called uh, counterfeiting. Very lucrative business if you don't get caught. But the government had a very, very short fuse when they caught counterfeiters because it would undermine the economy. And they had a difficult enough time because the U.S. Mint wasn't exactly up and running yet. So as it is to print coins, make coins, very difficult. If you were caught as a counterfeiter, they executed without asking too many questions. So once in a while, they had Jewish counterfeiters and they would surround the city and find out he's here, and they would just tell the Zayn Tuvayir, we know he's in there, find him and hand him over. So Taz says, hand him over ASAP, it's his fault, he knows the government is makpan on this, and he's Chayim Misa, even though he's not Chayim Misa, but Dina Machazin is Chayim Misa, and hand him over, and this is not a machlekes, right? So after my whole description, this Tunnel of is the traveling of the forest to get to the Yerid, to get to wherever they were going. And then this Tunnel of where the guy did something wrong. We did something wrong, hand them over. So my introduction was for the purpose of showing you what Yehuda is up against. The people in the know understand Shimshon's the Tzadik and he's fighting a war for them. See, so he did nothing wrong. And legally, at a right, they gave away his wife, they stole his money, they stole his secret, and he's doing damage. So he has every right. And then the Plishtim come with a not insignificant army and surround the nearest city in Yehuda and say, we know he's somewhere nearby. That's your problem. Find him, bind him up, arrest him and hand him over. And they weren't taking him for Kiddush, Shabbos morning. So what's the din? 
So you can be sure the people in Yehuda want to ask a Shaila. Who would you ask? Well, why don't you ask the Shaifid? The Shaifid has to be Shimshin. And they're going to sort of do that. They're going to show up to his door and say, the Rebbe, we have an issue over here. And we're all in danger. We sort of have to hand you over. Is that the din? So the good news here is without getting into the sticky Shaila that I just built up, he didn't do anything wrong, but it's because of him that they're in trouble. So, and they said him. So according to the sheet that we might pass, like, they can hand him over anyway, even if he's not a counterfeiter, even if he did nothing wrong. So if he didn't think probably hand him over, he doesn't mind the good news over here because the plan was, yeah, sure, hand me over. You can even look like you're handing me over. Bind me up, but good. Get some good new rope and wrap it around twice and hand me over. Just promise me you're not going to touch me. And I want you to make a shvud eraser. Because he didn't want to hurt them. They start beating him up and they think they're not going to. And there were probably people who at times didn't understand what he was doing. So just make a shvur the race. You're not going to touch me. Hand me over. It'll be a very quiet ceremony and I will go. And his plan was of course I'm going to go. I'd love to go. We hand it over to their camp and they're going to be celebrating. And when they're least expecting, I'm just going to break out and the breakout's going to be very quick and kill some more. So you can hand me over. But it's a pretty frightening sugya because had he not said that, they'd have a shayla, do it pass like or is he like a counterfeiter, did he do something wrong? And we're not going to get to the Messias Hashem, uh, but Mitzvah Hashem will see next week what transpires. Okay, we hope uh, everybody here online heard all that. Okay. <laughs> have a good week. Hatzlach Harabo,